0: Ancient Ayurvedic Secrets Part 5 Consciousness, the subject of life When a person comes to a doctor for help to a specialist an orthopedic an endocrinologist he may not be able to help that patient every time because the symptoms do not come under his area of specialization. In many diseases three or four different specialists will see the patient. What about the doctor who never gets the chance to look at the patient completely on his own as more than just a set of symptoms, as a conscious being in pain who is calling out to be healed? What about this doctor's own evolution? Where does the specialist find that space to explore his own consciousness and where is his chance to evolve in this divided space in which he functions all his life? Is he doing something else which can take care of this soul need? If not, how much of help can he be to another when he himself might need to heal? Specialization is about Expertise and command. It's an objective method of getting information, processing it, developing analytical skill. Somewhere, you, the person, can get lost in becoming the specialist. What you feel when you spend some time with a patient, that is simply not there. By feel, we don't mean emotion. We mean like how you feel hunger. How you feel your sense of being. To feel your way when faced with a new patient, a new scenario. Analyzing the symptoms can be done with AI, with the help of tests and scans, but to feel and connect to the patient, not knowing what his body and mind and soul need, what touch can heal his heart. There is a little unpredictability with every human being. A pet's reaction might reveal quite a lot about his owner's pain point. To be available to all of this and to absorb all the material that a patient brings, even social and psychological, and in that space where you don't know everything, finding your way without the stress a specialist might feel of having to have all the answers. This not knowing and exploring in the dark is probably the easiest way to shut the thinking process because here you have to feel your way to the solution. You have to respond and that makes you the healer alive That faculty of feeling, to know every moment, how am I feeling right now, to be conscious. Why would you want to miss out on this simply because you're a specialist? Modern science has been struggling for a while now with the question, what is consciousness? and where and how consciousness operates. After quantum physics happened, scientists began to see mind and matter as two faces of reality. Some recognize a mind-like quality in the physical world when we go down to levels smaller than the atom. Many subtler and subtler levels of the mind seem to operate not only in humans and animals, but out there in nature as well. It has been found that people who survive near-death experiences, where the thinking brain is in coma, who are practically dead, they have complex experiences. Their experiences are probably richer than what even normal people have. This shows consciousness does not arise in the parts of the brain that generate thoughts, which is the cerebral cortex. Some scientists say consciousness is experienced as feeling, and it happens in the brainstem, which connects the brain to the spinal cord, specifically the reticular activating system of the brain. It is the area which houses are survival drives. It makes us feel hunger, cold. It is being said that here is where we feel our sense of being, the feeling of I am, the knowledge of I exist, that I feeling. And this theory says consciousness is found not on a particular organ, but in a function. In the function of homeostasis, the internal balance of the body's physiology. It is in trying to remain in a state of balance that we seem to manifest our consciousness. Our thinking brain has no role to play in this. That is why there are cases like a woman who is born with no cerebral cortex, knows that she exists and experiences feelings expresses them freely and can show empathy. This approach says my moment-to-moment feeling of being is the space where I'm alive as me, as the human being. That's a space where I'm not like a robot which can be replaced by AI. The ancients saw this a Little differently. They called consciousness Chaitanya. The words Chit and Chaitanya share the same root, and in Yoga we say Yoga ha Chitta Vritti nirodha. to stop the modifications of the mind. That's Yoga. It's about removing all that modifies or obscures consciousness. The Yoga Sutra also says that on meditating on the heart we can feel the power of chitta confirming that it's by feeling our way we can allow the full potency of consciousness to shine through except that that is not the brainstem but the heart or hridaya which reflects our consciousness. And the moment it's all about memory, thought, analysis, dealing in information, which today even a bot can do. It's just a material process, like a chemical reaction that the ancients called jada, meaning inert, lacking in consciousness. There was a time when a doctor's memory was very important because we didn't have IT. Any technician's memory was very important in that age. But even then, when doctors were like demigods, it was not just the doctor's knowledge. It was his touch. One felt that sitting with him for a few minutes will heal you. Yes, his being mattered. How he evolved as a human being mattered. The doctor's dreams, his vulnerabilities, his joys and sorrows... All matter. This was the subjective side. But the doctor felt, my patient is like me. Even in the era of computers, you would still want to consult with such a doctor. Being objective was part of his training, his technical training. But there was equal emphasis on empathy, on subjectivity, on Passion for his subject. Passion has many faces. It means you can let things affect you. You can be vulnerable. You can allow yourself to get hurt because it is very likely to happen in life that you get hurt. Why pull down the blinds and stay all day in a closed room and miss out on the glorious sky simply because That bee might come in and disturb you. Can you let the bee come? Take that risk of a few seconds and you have 24 hours to enjoy that great view down the valley and the stars at night. Keeping all our windows open all the time might look a little obsessive. But that's how a squirrel is, a deer is, vulnerable. It will not shy away from danger and miss out on its way of life. It will not also act like there is no danger from the cat. It has to be watchful, alert. It's the space of vulnerability. Where there's a joy of being. And yet, it's an alert state. It's just nature. In that space, we can also feel another's problem. Being vulnerable means you are out in the open, naked. Not only can others see you for who you are, it also gives you a different sight. You see through everything around you. Because with nothing to hide, your eyes too need to wear no blinds. It's a space where you can't really judge another. It tempers that passion into compassion. Come means with. Compassion is to feel what the other feels. To know it as my own feeling. It's probably from this space of vulnerability that the question arose, Oh, why is there suffering? Because you can feel another's pain as your own. It's from here someone might have noticed that everything in nature is in a flux and then asked, is there something that is unchanging? In today's time, passion means intense love. Obsession, the kind of love where you can lose yourself. After compassion, we mention obsession as the second phase of passion because if that losing oneself is complete, not for a gain, but for its own sake, then when you can't seem to attain it again, you're on fire because now that taste of life, In its absence, it's unbearable. You miss those moments where there was no you. There was just your object of love. Actually, it only began as an object. But as it grew, that person became the subject. Because that subject was now inside you. It has become completely subjective fills you to the point where only that object of your love is and you are not. And when you are not, your problems are not. All that is left is your essential nature. And it is said that that essential nature is bliss, ananda. So now, it's like you're in trouble because you can't settle for anything less anymore subject is about passion to be able to lose yourself to be vulnerable to be affected a specialist works exclusively on skill and mastery his aim is to lose the vulnerability his focus is on cutting out error it's an objective approach where I don't really feel my way around. Feeling your way around implies not knowing, implies not relying on the cerebral cortex, what the ancients called the thinking mind, manas. Feeling your way around makes life subjective, where you matter more than any text or lesson that you've learned. It's from a different space that you're engaging. It is this passion where you feel everything as happening within you. It's about who you are. It's about your evolution. There's no limit set on how much of yourself you will give into it. In fact, the very idea is to give it all. Now let's imagine. This is how you approach a subject of study. Charka Samhita says, When there was a great pandemic kind of situation and many great sages met to find an answer, they meditated. Why did they just not start exchanging notes and have loads of discussion and analysis and put it all together? Why did they individually get into deep states of absorption to find answers? What was the reason for this approach? In the third chapter of the Yoga Sutra, called the Chapter of Powers, it says: Binding the mind to one place, followed by an uninterrupted stream of the content of consciousness, which leads to a state of deep absorption. And there is only the subject appearing without the consciousness of one's own self and then applying the three together called Samyama, there is the dawn of insight. Samyama, when applied to different finer states of consciousness we get knowledge of those finer states. This way we can get knowledge of every aspect of creation from the contents of another's mind to the movement of the stars to the powers of omniscience to developing mind heart coherence hridaye chitta samvit doing samyama on the heart you get knowledge of the mind indicating the heart the seat of feeling is the doorway to the mind my mind here is not the intellect called manas It is one's consciousness and samyama is a state of coherence where this objective and subjective coexist. You can lose yourself in passion and yet witness it as if you are watching from outside. In this state, you can have a deep insight into objects because you have transcended the disturbed states of mind called kshitta scattered, Vikshipta, oscillating between attentive and distracted states. Moodha, a dull and forgetful state of mind to the coherent states of Ekagra, one-pointed, where you can fix your mind on a problem or any subject without interruption. To Niruddha, controlled, where you can apply the mind to deep and subtle problems and have direct first-hand knowledge of the subject. To be able to look at a problem, a disease, without distraction, to be able to go deep into a subject, these are just natural qualities, natural potentials of the mind. It's not an academic achievement. There is nothing so special about this. Any human being can do it. Why are enough human beings not doing it? The disturbed states, no matter what the cause, no matter what the content of that disturbance is, it can be calmed without getting into what the issue is or why it occurred. You can take the mind state from disturbed to absorbed. And if this is possible without any special device, then why not? The disturbed states are also painful. Again, doesn't matter. What even caused the pain? Once a disturbance goes, so does pain. Samyama is about gaining proficiency in keeping the mind in that pain-free state of single-pointedness and absorption and applying it to our subject. Question is, shouldn't the doctor or any professional or any human being be interested in first mastering this art before anything else? What Rishi Atreya and the sages did when they retired to meditate on the problem is probably this, Samyama on the various issues that were raised. They must have all had deep insights. Discussions must have happened after this and this cycle must have been repeated many times. Ever since, over many thousands of years, the text has been edited from time to time, probably in symposiums such as the first. But after thousands of years, the updating, it seems, to have stopped. Maybe because the text went out of the realm of subjective study of this sort, with the dawn of Descartes in Europe and the dominion of the East. the objective methodology that came with it, maybe we went more into academic, objective study, what we do in our current approach to science. Why should we not want to learn this art of samyama so that when we have our subject, it could be anything from the patient to the art of brewing tea to pottery. To political science, to farming, we can get this first hand knowledge. And the price one pays for this is by losing pain and becoming joyful. Because passion has a natural source in our being, and in its absence it seems there is no sense in life. For example, we are not able to observe our body very well. So we don't understand there is a particular pain I don't need to carry or worry about. Instead, we might just run to the specialist. And the specialist might be highly qualified. But he may not be in a position, in a mental state that is any better than yours. He might be able to prescribe well, but maybe there was never a problem. He may not have the same space to come to that and tell you. So the whole question is, why not first develop the art of not being so disturbed and then the art of being absorbed and learn to apply a mind in this state to the subject of our choice. This is a kind of obsession we are talking about. But you are lost in that subject because of these states of mind, of dharana, dhyana and samadhi. One-pointedness, meditation, absorption. Because if my child or my downline is coming to me with a problem, in that state, my background, my issues, my limitations don't operate. We are not looking at special powers. It's about I can just listen to you. I can give you complete attention without wavering. I can feel your pain like it's my own. To be able to do this is significant. And to be able to do this matters probably above everything else. That's what we are talking about when we say passion for the subject. Yoga's preparatory practices, asana, pranayama, can be a great starting point. And it's not about living in a hermitage, away from everything, master it and come back. Our retreat is our subject, our passion, our vulnerability, our obsession. In the next blog, We will explore the role of art and science in our lives by looking at the symbiotic relationship between yoga as the art of consciousness and Ayurveda as the science of life. Bharat Thakur